This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's September 2nd and this is episode 38. Um, Allie, it's um, kind of an interesting time of year. You get to September here and um, you know we talk about GDUs every week and when I get to September, I'm always kind of looking at that number and I always want to be at a minimum at 2000 GDUs. That's just kind of a, a little personal preference thing of mine. And in looking at GDUs, Allie, give us the update there if you got it. But it uh, looks like we surpassed that, that critical number they look at each year. Yeah, I might. I actually pulled mine for a little farther west. So if you don't mind oh, giving our. Yeah, I, I got it for, for Preston, Preston here. So um, for Preston, uh, we're sitting at 2171. Uh, that's still uh, just 17 behind the average. And, and don't. Um, I really crop stage wise, I don't feel like this crop is behind the average. Planting dates um, really are helping us from a maturity standpoint. And looking at the, you know, the next 14 days, I don't want to, we're not a weather show here, Allie, but it looks like maybe after uh, into next week, it's going to be a little bit cool. But uh, 14 day production puts us at 2348. And uh, a lot of 100 day relative maturity products, Allie, that's going to, you know, usually it's 2400 ish to black layer. So that's going to put a lot of products. Uh, right at black layer and maybe some of the early ones uh, will probably be at black layer by then or a little before then. Yeah, so I think that's nice to see. Obviously, like you said, a lot of this is going to maybe hinge on what some of this weather does. If we can keep a little more heat and not drop off um, temperature wise too much. I think another great area that that's then going to bring us to is once we do reach black layer on these products, you know, are we going to be able to still still hold true to the fact that in the month of September, you can typically grab, you know, a half a point of moisture a day. And so, you know, still going to be a lot depending on this weather to to when we see some of this corn in that 23% range ready to go for harvest, but we'll keep everyone updated as we get a better grip of what some of this weather does moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in in looking at that projection of black layer, and you talked about that dry down too. I always look at, we got to be at 2000 at a minimum by September 1st. And in a in a perfect scenario, if we can get products to black layer by September 20th and get 10 days of September, where the days are still a bit longer, usually get some some warmer temperatures to to get the crop dry down. Um, that's what we're going to hope for, and um, hopefully Mother Nature cooperates. But uh, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride of, of Mother Nature and in in alley southeast Minnesota, um, you know, especially like south of the Highway 14 uh, area, been extremely dry alley. Um, we did finally get some some rain that actually we could measure in the rain gauge here the last five, six days. Um, questions came up a lot, Ellie, you know, did the rain help or was it too late? Um, you know, granted, I think we all wish it would have came, you know, sometime in the middle of August or early August we needed it. But uh, what's your take on the rain and uh, how it's going to help uh, the crop moving forward? Yeah, so as we were in some plots and maybe our driest pockets last week to my western west of 52, there were some areas where some of those earlier maturities were definitely maybe we had some ears prematurely dropping in in the most severe pockets. But then as the maturities got a little bit later, um, I still felt that if we could catch those rains into the weekend or earlier in the week, which we did, I think that's still going to contribute to the cause of of kernel depth and test weight. So there is still something to be gained in those cases. On the soybean side of things, obviously, you know, planting date really worked in our favor this year, which was good for the fact that we were we had a long time to fill grain in those soybeans. But I also think you look at some of those earlier maturity beans that were planted early, I think they were to the point where they were probably a little 
um, past the point of having that moisture work to their advantage versus if you talk about our, our later maturity beans, I think if we, we still potentially had the opportunity for that rain um, to help us fill those pods or some of those clusters at the, the very top, what would be your take uh, based on what you're seeing to the east? Yeah, it, um, you know, I, I kind of had that question a few times and, and my response has been it, it, it didn't hurt us, that's for sure. You know, we're, we're not at a, a stage of the crop where we're going to put on yield. Sometimes we, especially on the soybean side, we talk about those August rains is what really, you know, brings down that yield, especially with varieties that are, you know, maybe 1.8 or later maturity. And, you know, I don't know if that rain came soon enough. Um, I'll, it's just going to be an interesting soybean crop looking at the early beans planted early compared to the, the full season beans planted early. Um, you know, which one did it hurt the most? You know, my gut's going to say, you know, this lack of rainfall probably hurt those, those later beans a little bit more than the early ones that were developing ahead. With that said, the help on the corn and the beans, um, we're not going to put more seeds out there, more flowers or more pods. It's just a matter of, you know, maintaining grain weight and finishing, you know, soybeans bigger size. Hopefully, um, you know, we can at least fill these out uh, to as much potential as possible. And uh, that's where the rain's going to help us to just keep in the, the amount of fill and grain weight uh, up as much as possible. And yeah, and it's going to be, it's just going to be hard to gauge. The soybean crop, um, I just really haven't been able to quite um, get my head around that, what that's going to look like. And that, that's, to me, that's the X factor rolling in September here when that's going to be ready. And the early beans planted early LA driving around you, those fields really stand out right now. They're maturing uh, extremely yellow. The leaves are starting to drop. And uh, I think by, you know, next Monday, some of these fields are going to be knocking on the door, getting really close to being ready to harvest on the early side. Yeah, as you drive across the countryside, it definitely feels a little more like fall. You're seeing some of those earlier planted or early maturity fields starting to turn pretty quick here. So I think we better be ready for harvest to come upon us maybe a little more uh, quickly than we thought. Um, but as we come out of break, Josh, we do just want to walk through. We both were able to take a crop tour with our sales reps across Southeast Minnesota and wanted to walk through what our observations um, from both of those tours looked like across the area. Welcome back listeners. So Josh, in the first segment, we talked about kind of the current state of the crop in both corn and soybeans and what to expect coming up. As we look forward to segment two here, uh, we just wanted to walk everyone through a really, actually kind of really fun and exciting uh, event or day that we spend with our reps across Southeast Minnesota. And that is our, our crop tour day that we actually had last Thursday across the area. So I, I like to say it's almost a little bit better than Christmas. It's like the most wonderful time of the growing season for a lot of people. So maybe walk us through uh, just kind of setting them up for what our replicated PKP sets look like and kind of the purpose of that day. Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit, I think in the, the winter months uh, around replicated PKP, something we do in Southeast Minnesota every year uh, here with Pioneer. Um, long story short, these are our replicated strip trials. Uh, so in every case, there's I think this year we had 10 products in there. Uh, so it's eight Pioneer and there's two very common uh, competitors uh, in each of these plots as well. Uh, every plot location is the same. Uh, so it's the same hybrids planted in the same order at each location. These are all farmer planted. Uh, we don't give any uh, agronomic recommendations. So it's the, the standard growers practice. So uh, they're farmer planted, they're practiced. Uh, grower harvested all ran through the way wagon. And uh, basically for us, it's a, it's a way for us to look at our brand newest products. So uh, this year there's two Pioneer products in there that uh, most growers have not seen or heard of. Uh, our core lineup and then the two competitors. And then, uh, yeah, we take that to yield. Uh, LA, you and I have 28 and across our district, we have 70 of these locations. So it's uh, um, really an industry leading replicated plot set uh, that we utilize for training. Uh, we utilize it for yield data. And then we also utilize it to kind of 
take a look at what products we need to retire and uh, make room for some new stuff coming out of Pioneer Research. It's always an exciting time to look at them. And uh, uh, Thursday was, was as fun as ever, other than it was really hot. <laughs> it was a warm crop tour day. The heat was a little bit of, bit of a kicker, but hopefully the, the excitement overcame the, the, maybe the heat stress we were all feeling as we walked yeah. these plots. So, so I was just going to start with maybe the, the route I took to the western side, the west side of 52 in our area, Josh. So we actually started up by Austin, Minnesota, and then we worked our way down to the state line a little closer to Teope. And then we shot back up. We were on the west side of Grand Meadow, and then we hit another plot on the southeast side of Grand Meadow before meeting up uh, with you guys in Fountain. My take on my route was just we were really able to experience the variability and moisture from area to area. So that definitely um, showed apparent from the area up in Austin. And then as we moved south and then around that Grand Meadow area, probably being our, our driest portion of the area. I think variability was unfortunately still the name of the game. Nothing crazy variability wise, just depending on maybe where you were observing corn products as we walked across these plots. Some folks had some differences in, in what they liked and what they maybe didn't like quite as much. What was your take on the eastern side of the tour? Yeah, yeah, very similar. Uh, we started out in Spring Grove. So we worked from Spring Grove to Canton to Harmony and then uh, west to Harmony towards Leroy was was the route we took. Um, in our, our case, we our first location was no-till and um, overall that location looked very good. I think uh, it's going to be a very high yield location. Moisture stress was good. Um, you know, very uniform plots. Uh, all locations, we didn't have a lot of disease pressure. Uh, not a surprise with how dry we got uh, down the stretch. As we got to Canton Harmony, that's where things got a little bit um, kind of hard to evaluate. We ran into some some pockets in both locations that we had, you know, looked like some pretty severe nitrogen deficiencies. Um, still got to do a little digging into why why or why not that was, um, but in both cases, very dry down the stretch as well. So we were lacking some mineral mineralization. Um, so that was a little bit challenging to evaluate those. And and I think I think we've talked about this three episodes in a row around you know, crop nutrition um, is just going to have such a major role in this crop. Maybe, maybe as big a, as a role as I've seen in the last few years where um, the crop nutrition is good. We see some really great yields where we're maybe a little bit short or we didn't get enough mineralization as we anticipated. And in some cases, we maybe didn't carry over as much nitrogen from the heavy rainfalls the previous two years. But, um, you know, you know, I would say in those locations, we're going to see some, you know, maybe 30 to 40 bushel swings just from a standpoint of, of crop nutrition and uh, maybe some challenges there. And that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out in the end. But um, those are some of the, the highlights that we ran into um, was just really seeing um, some of the dry conditions really firing some nitrogen challenges across the area. Yeah, it's kind of that compounding factor, like you said, of the dry with some of these, maybe it's more of a nutrient sufficiency issue. Just just really forcing us to not only focus on what we did this year, but we do need to take a look back at what that weather has been and how that's then impacting that nitrogen available for this year. And then what's there this year, we look at these dry factors and you hit on the mineralization point. Um, those are just some things that you are going to see maybe, maybe working into some of this firing much higher in the canopy than, than one would like to see at this stage in the game. Um, any other takes specifically on just maybe across the board, any trends or, or things that we experienced? Yeah, I, I've done this tour. I think this was the eighth one we've done since I've been here at Pioneer uh, in Southeast Minnesota. This is kind of a, a little bit of a unique thing that we do in Southeast Minnesota, but um, you're not uncommon. We had three products that we kind of rated to the top very consistently. 
um, which usually there's one or two that really consistently jump to the top as, as you look at 10 products across the area. And usually there's one or two at the bottom that are just, you know, sometimes it's maturity when you're evaluating 98 to 160, maybe some maturity shows up a little bit, but there was no clear consensus on the bottom. It was a complete, you know, every product had bottom bolts. And to me, that shows that, you know, there might be maybe not as much variability or maybe in some cases there's going to be more variability than we think just plot to plot. But I think it's going to be a, an interesting fall as we get out there. And uh, as we continue to harvest, we'll keep, keep you up to speed with more updates and uh, we'll see you all next week. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner. Submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. We'll see you at 11 a.m. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.